Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you again on another episode of the podcast. I have had a string of really cool, unique, and I think brilliant guests on the show uh, lately. Dr. Stephen Cabral was on uh, just a week or so ago. I had Dr. Stephen Warren on talking about methylene blue a few weeks back. I've had Gaetano Morello from Canada on the show twice now uh, and talking about mitochondria. And interestingly, I think all three of those guests kind of roll into the same basic idea that I've been working to get across to my clients and to you listening to the show for a long, long time. And that is that there are two things, primarily, I believe that stand in the way of optimal health and creating the vitality that you're looking for. Those two things are toxicity and deficiency. Now, Dr. Cabral talked about a functional medicine detox. We're doing that functional medicine detox as a group on the the Vitality Radio, sorry, listeners community, and Facebook. Now, you don't have to be in Facebook to take part You have to be in Facebook to take part in the group, but to to take part in the cleanse, uh, all you have to do is give us a call at Vitality at 801-292-6662 or jump on the website, vitalitynutrition.com and order the cleanse. We're starting on January 8th. Now, technically, I'm starting a little ahead of people because I'm getting married on January 20th. So I'm starting the cleanse actually next week. I'll be... uh, I don't know, about a week ahead, two weeks ahead of people, I guess. Uh, And so um, it is what it is. It's 21 days, and I wanted to make sure I got the 21 days in prior to wedding and honeymoon. And uh, so that's the plan for me. But everybody else in the group will be starting on the 8th, and uh, that's how we're going to do it. I think it's going to be a phenomenal thing. I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm doing it. My fiance Jen, is doing it. Uh, we have several others who have already signed up that are going to be doing it. Jessica's going to be doing it with us, although she's already done it herself along with her husband. So we already have some really great uh, examples of the benefit that you can achieve, uh, the benefits that you can achieve or gain from doing the functional medicine detox. If you have questions, go back to the episode where I talked to Dr. Cabral. It will be linked in the show description or jump on the Facebook listeners community which also is linked in the show description. You can join right there. Today, we're going to talk about the mitochondria. Now, Dr. Morello is a brilliant doctor. I think he very much knows what he's talking about. He taught me a lot about a topic that I, frankly, didn't know nearly enough about and still don't know enough about. If you heard the show, we both lamented the fact that uh, no matter how hard we study it, we'll still never get to the bottom of either mitochondria or microbiome. Uh, information, but we're trying, and I am working on it myself to try and learn as much as I possibly can. And I put a pretty heavy focus over the last 
couple of months on my own personal mitochondrial function, and I've seen some pretty cool things arise from that, including a much clearer head, better focus, and uh, overall uh, mental acuity, I would say, has improved for sure, which has been awesome. Uh, something I have never experienced as much as I have recently since I started using methylene blue, which again, I talked to Dr. Warren about, which will also be linked in the show description. But today, what I wanted to do, because we have Dr. Warren talking about things, you got Dr. Morello talking about these things, got Dr. Cabral talking about these things, and all of them are really great minds on these different topics, these areas of research. I want to distill it down for you into maybe a little bit easier to digest and utilize form today. That's what this episode of Vitality Radio is about, is your mitochondria user's guide, we'll say. We're going to try to really help you figure this out, and we're going to talk both about diet stuff as well as lifestyle stuff, and then we're also going to throw at you what you can do from a supplemental standpoint to help improve your mitochondria function and ultimately your health, because without good mitochondrial function, good health, I think, is impossible, really. So let's dig in right now to the mitochondria. I asked Dr. Morello on the last episode of Vitality Radio, are we jumping the gun if we're looking for the root cause of health issues and we don't start at mitochondria? And he said, yes, I think that we really are. And I came up with a little analogy. Just a couple of weeks on the sh- ago on the show, I talked about um, my warranty on my cars. If you heard that episode and I talked about car trouble that I was having, well, think of your mitochondria as maybe the battery in your car or the um, electricity in your home. You know, you've still got a home and you've still got a car if there is no electricity, but the functionality is very, very poor. And uh, you're not going to get what you want out of those things. And yes, you've still got a body uh, without um, optimal mitochondria production and mitochondrial function, but that body is not going to provide what you're looking for it to provide. And so we always have to go back to root cause, root cause, root cause. And I will say there's a little bit of chicken or the egg kind of thing in this conversation between mitochondria and microbiome. And I don't know that Dr. Morello would disagree with that. He talked a lot about the microbiome on the last episode of the show. But uh, in a nutshell, as human beings, if we want optimal function, we must focus on the electricity that powers our cells. And that is, in essence, the mitochondria themselves, the powerhouses of the cells. So if you're wondering if you are optimized on the mitochondrial level, then you have to ask yourself some really simple questions. Are you tired much of the time? Are you relying on caffeine or other stimulants uh, to get yourself through the day? Energy drinks, coffee, whatever. Do you sleep well? Because as Dr. Morello pointed out, which I thought was very important, sleep requires energy. The things that are produced, neurotransmitters that are produced that help us to sleep, things like serotonin, melatonin, and others, um, cannot be produced optimally if there's not enough energy to actually produce them. And so poor sleep, of course, then ends up in poor energy, and poor energy oftentimes ends up in poor sleep, and it can be a bit of a cycle there. Do you typically feel mentally sluggish, you know, a little bit of brain fog or struggle with focus or things like that? And then maybe the biggest one that would be the most um, 
challenging for most people would be, do you have an autoimmune disease? Anything from Hashimoto's to lupus to rheumatoid arthritis or anything in between. If you're dealing with that, at least according to Dr. Morello, if you've got autoimmune issues, you've got mitochondria issues, and I would definitely echo that thought. So if you answered affirmative to any or all of those questions, it would suggest that you probably are dealing with mitochondrial dysfunction. Every illness or health condition has a mitochondrial dysfunction component to it, especially those autoimmune disorders. So then let's talk about potential solutions. And to find them, we need to ask more questions. So we already asked kind of the key issues that you might feel from poor mitochondrial function. Uh, but here are, th this might be the most important question of all. Do your symptoms get worse when you're under higher stress than when stress levels are normal? Now, when I talk about symptoms, I want you to think about your symptoms specifically, not just generalized symptoms. If you're dealing with low energy, do you feel less energy when you're under stress? If you're dealing with poor sleep, do you sleep less well when you're under stress? If you're dealing with poor digestion and irritable bowel and things like that, do you digest less well when you are under stress? Uh, if you're dealing with your autoimmune disorder and it creates pain, do you have more pain when you're under stress? And so on and so on. So pick the symptoms that you're dealing with. Does stress exacerbate those symptoms? I would anticipate that that is probably exactly what's happening in most cases. Dr. Morello mentioned that he talked to 12,000 patients plus over the years and that they always give them an affirmative response that, yes, stress makes things worse. Well, that's a simple thing. You, not a hard question to answer, I don't think, for most of us. But let's walk through this together. And, and I'll give you sort of a, uh, an example of what might happen. Let's just say, for instance, that you're generally tired most days. On this particular day, though, you woke up tired and then something happened that stresses you out, stressed you out. Um, do you feel tired now? I would dare say that maybe you don't. Maybe you actually feel energized once the stressor hits. And then you want to go get that thing fixed, whatever's stressing you out. You're going to get the energy. You're going to go fix that. Well, that's one of the fight or flight responses that stress creates. We start pumping out more cortisol. We start pumping out more uh, adrenaline. And we get the thing done or try to get the thing done. Another thing that could happen when you get that big stressor and you're already tired is you feel depressed and exhausted just thinking about the stressor and you just want to climb back in bed. Maybe sometimes you do climb back in bed. Well, that first response, like I said, that sounds like a positive response, right? Um, you're stressed out. You're going to take action. You're going to fix the stress. But it doesn't always work out that way, does it? Because often we get stressed and we take action when we're in fight or flight mode and when we're in fight or flight mode, that action oftentimes doesn't solve the problem or we rush through it trying to get a thing done correctly and do it incorrectly because we're going too fast or we approach the situation from a very uh, hyper-focused way. We know that the, the brain, when it is in fight or flight mode, is very hyper-focused, we'll say fixated on the thing, the stressor. Now, to put it in very simple terms, a bear is chasing you. That fight or flight mode has you 
fixated on the bear and probably nothing else. And because the idea is that fight or flight mode by design is in your central nervous system to protect you from the bear or the oncoming traffic or whatever it is. And sometimes that fight or flight mode saves our lives. So it's, it's a really good thing to have there unless that fight or flight mode is because you forgot to call somebody that was waiting for you to call and that's stressing you out. But you know nothing really bad was going to happen with, without that call being made. Or your kid's late for school and that's not great, but he's going to be fine and you're going to be fine and the school's going to be fine. Or whatever it is, many of the stressors that we deal with in life are not game-changing level stressors. They're not life or death or anywhere close to that. They're just stress. And that stress might be hitting you right now during the holidays. We're just a few days before Christmas weekend as this show is being aired. And you might be stressing out because you still need to get this and this and this done for the Christmas party or this and this and that done before you're ready for Christmas morning or whatever else it is that you might be dealing with. All of these stressors, life or death or otherwise, still act in the same way inside the body, triggering that fight or flight response. So back to my example, you're tired, the big stress hits, you respond because you're going to try and get the thing done that you absolutely got to get done. You go too fast and you don't get it done well, and that creates more stress. Or you go into not just fight or flight, but maybe it's freeze mode. You climb back into bed and say, I just don't want to deal with this anymore, or at least not right now. And so you have a little depression time, a little anxiety time, and some procrastination time. And that procrastination then does what? Well, in many cases, again, creates more stress. So we can get caught in these cycles, and that is very fatiguing, and it wears us down, and it makes things worse, not better in many cases. So if you can relate to any of that stuff, you know, raise your hand. I can't see you, <laughs> but I'm raising my hand right now saying, oh my gosh, yes, this has happened to me many times. Now, I'm not typically the guy who, um, you know, climbs back into bed per se, but I have been typically the guy that procrastinates the thing he doesn't love doing. It stresses him out. And so then he says, I'll do that thing tomorrow instead of today. Now, I've been working on that in my later years at 51 years old, and I think I'm actually getting better at it, but it's, it's far from a finished work, that's for sure, and the work is still in progress for sure. But regardless, my point is we can make stress worse or we can, can make stress better, and I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that during the solutions portion of this episode. And remember, I am releasing, as often as I can get them done, Emotional Vitality episodes of Vitality Radio. We have, I think, four of them up right now. This one could almost qualify because we're going to be talking about some of those things, but I'm going to be hitting that very, very hard all the way through 2024 because there's a ton to learn for all of us. And I am telling you, if you can get on top of mindset, you can get on top of stress. If you think to yourself right now listening to me that you'll always be stressed out because your life is just stressful, listen up. Every life 
is stressful. We all have different stresses, and some of the stresses are way more intense than others. But if you think about the things that you're stressed about, if you really think about those things, you'll recognize that many of those things aren't really that big a deal. And you'll also recognize that some of them are. And that's okay. It's just part of the human condition. I'm not here telling you your life isn't stressful. My life is stressful. We all have stress. And we all respond to it a little bit differently. I love how Dr. Morello talked about that in the last episode, talking about mitochondria, how somebody in a speeding car might get super stressed when they're going too fast, and other people, it doesn't bother them at all. Some pe- somebody might tailgate as a just how they drive. It doesn't stress them out, but it may very likely stresses out the person in front of them and maybe the, the passenger in the car next to them, right? We all respond differently to different stressors, and it's silly for us to say, well, you know, he's not as stressed out as I am, or I'm more stressed out than she is, or whatever it is, because it's just perception. Stress is just perception anyway, and how you perceive it and how stressful you perceive it is up to you, which is why mindset is so powerful and why I'll be hitting that so hard in 2024. Okay, so... Let's, uh, let's talk about solutions for low mitochondrial function because what Dr. Morello says, and I could not agree more, and as Jessica and Jen and I in individual conversations and group conversations have discussed over the last, uh, well, year or so that I've, I've worked with Jessica and, and six years that I've known Jen, what we have recognized and talked about is that stress really is the big Well, we've never really put it this way until I texted it right before I went on air today to record this. It may be the greatest toxin in our environment. Now, you don't think of stress as a toxin. We think of, you know, uh, air pollution as a toxin and chlorine and fluoride and aluminum and lead and mercury and glyphosate and so many other things as toxins. But have we ever thought about stress as the ultimate toxin? Well, At the cellular level, I don't know that there's a more potent, more devastating toxin than chronic stress. Think about that for just a minute. So if we're talking about detoxifying, because we're talking about Dr. Cabral's functional medicine detox and how many of us are going to jump into that in January, that's phenomenal. It's a great thing to detoxify the body of chemical toxins that are causing issues and dysfunction inside the human body. But what about detoxifying from stress? How big of an impact can detoxifying from stress have? Because as we talk to clients at Vitality Nutrition when we do consultations, what we recognize more often than not is that perhaps the biggest component of their we'll say, dysfunction is actually their stress. Now, there's a whole bunch of other things. Their diet, their lack of exercise, possibly, um, the, the toxic load that they're dealing with in terms of chemical toxins, their deficiencies. Yeah, there's all these things. But stress itself is such a toxic thing because it actually exacerbates everything else. Just like what Dr. Morello said and what I mentioned at the beginning of the show. When we're under stress, all things get worse. Or I should restate that when we 
perceive stress in the way that puts us into fight or flight mode, all things get worse, including mitochondrial function. So the first solution that I want to share with you is to shift your reaction to stress. And I mentioned the word reaction specifically. I chose that because a reaction in many cases is kind of that knee jerk thing. You've heard the term knee jerk reaction, right? The instant go to, this is how I react when I'm under stress. And I already talked about some of the ways you might react. Other people might yell and scream. Other people might cry. Some people might get quiet and kind of hide in their own little corner, get, uh, you know, very introverted. We all do it a little differently, and it doesn't really matter. I'm not calling out any one way that is better or worse than another. But we have to recognize that our reaction to stress is actually something that can be in our control. Now, if you didn't listen to me share the story of Jewel on episode 378, please go back and listen to that episode after you listen to this one, because that tool of curiosity is one of the most powerful ways that you can help yourself figure out how to stop reacting to stress and start responding to stress. The difference being that reaction is largely subconscious, response is conscious. You're able to think it through and then take the approach that you believe will have the best outcome. doesn't mean you'll always have the best outcome when you respond, but you're far more likely to get the best outcome when you respond after careful thought than when you react out, out of complete subconscious, this is just how I do it when I'm stressed. So I'm going to give you some very basic steps now, but I'm going to do an entire episode on reaction versus response on Vitality Radio on an emotional vitality episode in the new year. Okay. So like I say, go back and listen to episode 378. It's a great precursor to this. It plays into this in a significant way. And then you'll be ready for the episode that I'll produce specifically on reaction and response. For now, let's just talk about a couple of things that you can do that are powerful tools. And remember, we are talking about mitochondria here. But if you listen to last episode with Dr. Morell, you'll recognize that that episode was as much about stress and how it impacts mitochondria as it was about mitochondria itself. Breath is one of the easiest solutions to learn. It's one of the easiest solutions to do. There's a great book called Breath by James Nestor. I'd highly recommend it to anybody. Many other great books on breath uh, techniques and things like that. But I will tell you that there's a simple one that I learned years ago. It was uh, originally created, I think, by Dr. Andrew Weil. And he talks about something called the 478 technique. And we'll link to that, a YouTube video on it in the um, show description as well. But it's really quite simple. You're breathing in for four seconds. I almost said minutes. You're breathing in for four seconds. You're holding that breath deep inside your lungs for seven seconds, and then you're releasing it slowly for eight seconds. And you can do this multiple times a day. You can do it multiple times in a row. Sometimes you have to start a little slower. If you're someone who tends to get out of breath easily, you may have to start a little slower and build up to this. You can start with lower seconds, you know, three and six and seven, for instance, or something like that. But regardless, everybody is capable of doing this. I believe some people, it takes a little bit of practice. Um, there's a couple of very cool things. Let's just say that stressor hits. And you decide instead of reacting immediately to the stress, 
that you're going to intentionally stop and breathe. There's two beautiful things that happen with that. You do this four, seven, eight technique two, three, four times. You can also do something called the straw breath or the physiological sigh. I've talked about that on the show before. Find one that works well for you and experiment with it and see if it works. If it does, use it. If it doesn't, try a different one. There's a lot of them. And frankly, I don't really think it, it matters that much which one you use. I happen to really like the 478 personally, so that's the one I'm talking about today. But what happens when you do that breath? Well, for one thing, you've stopped. You've stopped the stressor for the moment in its tracks, and you've decided... You're going to go in prepared to deal with the stressor as opposed to just reacting to it. So you're going to do this 478 technique or whichever breath technique you wish to do. And that's going to provide time and it's going to provide space. And, and if done properly, it's going to take you down from fight or flight to rest and digest. It's going to take you down from fight or flight to rest and digest. And when you're in rest and digest mode, not only does your digestive system, your physical digestive system work better, but your ability to digest information works better because you're no longer fixated on just the stress. You can see all the little things that play into the stress on the periphery. And there's real value in that. As you're counting your breaths, it's very difficult to count your breaths and focus on breathing and also be focused on the stress. It might infiltrate here and there, for sure. But in most cases, you're creating a little space away from the stress and you're giving yourself a little bit of time. Now, if you're in a life or death situation, you're about to smash into somebody on the freeway, you don't have time for a breath technique, technique, and that is when fight or flight mode can save your life. But if it is not life or death, if it is not a drastic, urgent thing, and there is time for breath, which literally can take seconds to maybe a minute or two, utilize that tool. It is powerful. The physiology of breath work can change the psychology of the entire situation. And we know that from the clinical trials that have taken place, from the science that we have on breath work. So that's the first thing. Another thing that I like to do is I ask myself a few questions. Now, I will tell you, I don't always do this. Uh, for sure, I don't always do this. I should always do it. And when I do do it, I perform better under stress when I ask myself these questions. So these are questions, though, that take a little bit of practice and they take a little bit of calm, which is why breathing and then asking the questions makes a lot of sense. But here are some questions I suggest. You can come up with your own as well, whatever works for you. But these are the ones that I often ask myself. What's the worst that can happen? Okay, so here's an example. I've got a guy in London, England. He's a <clears throat> very, very good wholesale client of mine, really my best, uh, meaning I sell my supplements to him at wholesale and he distributes them throughout England to uh, a few places over there. And he's a very urgent kind of a character. He likes to have things done right now on his time frame 
not too concerned about your time frame, okay? Now, sometimes he listens to my podcast, so we'll see if he hears this, and that's okay if he does, because I think he knows this about himself. He is constantly, generally stressing how urgent matters are. That tends to stress me out. I'm a pretty chill character. I'm not typically in a big hurry. I like to enjoy life and let things kind of come as they come. And so his personality and my personality sometimes uh, not so good of a mix. And I tend to kind of, yeah, stress out when he's on the phone or shoots me an email or something like that. Well, the other day he needed an order shipped on a specific day or it wasn't going to be on time for a big sale that they were promoting for his biggest client. Remember, he's my biggest wholesale client. That's his biggest wholesale client over there. And they had a promotion going and it it wasn't his fault that the order was uh, real tight. It was actually my manufacturer was behind. And so I didn't have control. He didn't have control. And we found out that morning that the product was going to be done. I had to run to another city to pick it up. I had to deliver it to my shop. I had to prepare it for shipment and I had to get it over to the post or the UPS uh, by you know five o'clock that night. I was on an extreme time crunch, extreme time crunch. I was really stressing about it. And I asked myself this question, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst thing I could think of is I would lose that client. Now, he's put urgent pressing matters on me for 11 years, 12 years I've been working with him. And I've never lost him even when I haven't performed up to his expectation. I've never lost him even when I haven't performed up to his expectation. But it always feels urgent. And I want to satisfy my customers. I feel the same way about you listening to this show. I feel a little bit of stress making sure I put together a great show for you every few days on Vitality Radio Podcast. And that stress, to some degree, makes me better at what I do. Makes me take it a little bit more seriously. So again, it's not a bad thing necessarily. Stress can help us perform at a higher level, and it can also take us down. But in this example, I think it's really important. I asked myself, what's the worst that can happen? And I'm going to tell you a secret. About a year ago, about a year ago, I decided if I lost this particular client, I would be okay. It would hurt it's not a, he's a good client. It's not a small amount of invoices that I send him every year. He helps me keep things going uh, in a significant way. Would my business go under without him? No, it wouldn't. Now, a few years ago, that might have been different. But I decided about a year ago, I'm going to do the best I can, and it's going to be fine. And guess what? A couple of things have changed. One, as I started being less susceptible to his urgent requests, less apologetic when things were out of my own hands, out of my control, still friendly, never angry, but not necessarily as willing to be pushed around as I was for the first 10 years, 
guess what happened? He got nicer. He got a lot nicer to me. And it was really, really interesting that I made a change. He didn't make a change intentionally. He just started responding to me differently when I started responding to him differently. Because about a year ago, I told him, I'm going to do the best I can, but I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to get this out on time. I'm going to do my best. If I can't get there, I apologize. It is what it is, and we'll do the best we can next time. And I stopped responding with urgent, anxious messages back and forth. And he changed his tune in a big way. I specifically told him on this last incident um, that there was a pretty good chance it wouldn't get out on time, but that I was going to do my best to make it happen. I did my best. I got it out on time. He was thrilled. But had I not gotten it out on time, because I know this from the previous couple of experiences, that we struggled with getting things to him on time, because again, it's always urgent, it would have been fine. It might have been uncomfortable, but it would have been fine. And because it would have been fine, that first question, what's the worst that can happen, took my stress way down. The next question I ask is, is my initial knee-jerk reaction just a pattern that I subconsciously follow, like I talked about before? Do I just react in this way because that's how I react or because it's the best reaction that I could potentially have to this situation? And the answer is almost always my knee-jerk reaction is not the best response I could have. In fact, in many cases, it could be the worst response I could have. So then once I recognize that the thing that I was about to do that I always do when I'm under that particular type of stress doesn't help me, then I breathe, I ask myself some additional questions, I get out of fight or flight mode, and I come up with a response. Oh my goodness, how big of a shift that can make. The next question I ask is, how will resolving this issue bring me closer to my goals? This one I use specifically if I'm tempted to procrastinate a thing. Whatever that thing may be. If I resolve this instead of procrastinate it, will it benefit me in a significant way? Will I feel less stress? Will I be more prepared for whatever is coming up? Yeah, in most cases, I will. If I'm willing to resolve it instead of postpone it or procrastinate it, I'll do better. That becomes motivating to me. And then instead of, I'll say, uh, at least, because uh, I don't, like I say, I don't typically crawl back into bed, but metaphorically speaking, instead of crawling back into bed, I then focus on getting the thing done, and then I'll feel less stress. So those are questions I ask myself. Is my knee-jerk reaction going, is it just a subconscious thing that I often do, creating a vicious cycle? If it is, if that's the initial reaction I come up with, I shelve that reaction, and I do a, th a different thing. I think it through, I breathe, and I do a different thing. I had a beautiful experience with that myself, with my sweetheart 
a couple of weeks ago. I won't share it with you because it's um, more personal, I guess, than what I just shared with you. But it's amazing. It's amazing what happens when we don't react. We respond. The second question, what's the worst that can happen? And in some cases, the worst that can happen is super scary. I get it. But I can tell you this. In most cases, that here and now stress that you're dealing with isn't really going to create nearly as many problems as initially feels like when we're in fight or flight mode. If you see it through to its conclusion in your mind's eye, in many cases, you'll find maybe you're not stressing about nothing, but you're stressing about something that doesn't, hasn't earned the level of merit on the stress scale that you've assigned it. And third, if you're tempted to procrastinate a thing, which I am a world-class procrastinator, I have been for years and I am working through it, I'm doing better, I'm doing better. But if you're tempted to procrastinate the thing, how will resolving this issue bring me closer to my goals? This can be simple goals like just being able to sleep that night or big goals like you know increasing your income or fixing a family relationship or whatever. Now, let's talk about other things we can do to support the mitochondria because, again, the biggest thing is mitigate stress. Mitigate stress, mitigate stress, mitigate stress. Your mitochondria will function better. Your sleep will improve. Your energy will improve. Your happiness will improve as you learn to get on top of these things that stress you out. And stick with me because lots of episodes on that coming up in 2024. But for the mitochondria specifically, lifestyle. As I said, the first thing, stress mitigation. The second thing that Dr. Morello mentioned that I think is really, really critical is grounding. Now, can you do it without grounding? Yes, you can do it without grounding. I've done most of my life without grounding. But you know what? He's right. The biggest electron donor in the world is the globe that we live on. Stand barefoot in the dirt, on the grass, not on the concrete, but in the dirt, on the grass, and breathe in the energy that you get from the earth, which literally, and we know this scientifically, energizes your cells and discharges much of your stress. It's a big deal. And I'm going to also tell you, walking is a big deal. And you're going to tell me if you live in Utah or a place like Utah in the middle of December, it's too darn cold, Jared. Well, maybe. But you know what I love? I love this guy, Gary Brecka. A lot of what he says is pretty cool. And one of the things he says is that aging, aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. Get out of your comfort zone, literally your physical comfort zone. Take off your shoes, stand in the cold dirt or grass for like 30 seconds, a minute. Do it once a day. It'll be very, very good for you, especially if you do it consistently. And go for a walk. It's cold outside. I get it. It's okay. Right now is a great time to go for a walk just around your neighborhood. Bundle up. Put on your scarf, your earmuffs, your beanie, whatever it is. Hopefully, you'll recognize that just walking around the neighborhood and looking at the Christmas lights is a massive de-stressor. And once the Christmas lights are down, 
There are other beautiful things that you can look at that will reduce your stress and make you feel better and more in control. On diet, he talked much about anti-inflammatory foods. He mentioned the Mediterranean diet as a great place to start. Uh, He talked about really focusing on eating less inflammatory foods, more anti-inflammatory foods. There are great resources online about these. I may even produce one of my own soon, but we will link to some things in the show description uh, if you're unclear about what foods are inflammatory and anti-inflammatory. All right, so diet, that's a big deal. And, of course, your diet, especially inflammatory foods, lead to things like leaky gut. And that's where he basically talked about two things Dr. Morello did. Thing one, the gut lining. Healing leaky gut is a huge, huge deal. And there are a lot of ways that you can heal leaky gut. Um, One of the biggest things, though, again, is your diet and the inflammatory foods that you eat in your diet. The foods that you tend to be reactive to, perhaps in your case, it might be gluten. Maybe it's dairy. Maybe it's sugar. It's pretty much always sugar for most all of us, I think. Um, Corn, you know, whatever it is, you got to kind of find those things you tend to react to that tend to inflame, reduce or eliminate those from your diet. And then generally eat less inflammatory foods. Generally, eating foods that work as prebiotics can be a really powerful tool as well. And Dr. Morello specifically talked about that, nourishing the gut. And then, of course, avoiding things that kill the gut bacteria, things like glyphosate. So eating more organic food makes a really big difference. Filtering your water makes a big difference. Getting rid of things like fluoride and uh, chlorine can make a big difference in your gut as well. So all of those things. And then also he mentioned the migrating motor complex. Now, in... Uh, full disclosure, I had never heard of this thing when Dr. Morello shared it with me. It was news to me. Now, I, I understand it f- fairly well. I, I think what I, I knew the, I knew kind of what it was without knowing that was the name, maybe, if that makes any sense. But I didn't know much. And he explained more than I knew about it in the episode that we just uh, did last week. I'm still digging in because this is fascinating stuff. I may do a whole show on uh, migrating motor complex if I think it makes sense to do so. I'm definitely considering that. But basically, without going into great detail, because you're going to listen, if you're you're interested in this episode, you're going to go back and listen to the Morello episodes if you haven't already. And he talks about it more there than I want to give it here because I'm running low on time. But uh, he talked about one of the best things you can do to not screw up the, the migrating motor complex having to do with how food is processed in the gut, basically, is eating less often overall. So instead of eating, you know, breakfast and then a snack and a snack and then lunch and then a snack and a snack and then dinner, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Things like intermittent fasting can be very helpful. He suggested maybe five hours or even a little more in between meals, which I think is great, but I don't know if it's totally realistic for all of us. I was looking at my diet. And thinking, okay, how do I do that? Well, I can do it if I if I intermittent fast and I and I don't, you know, I, I eat at like, you know, one or two o'clock, and then again at you know maybe seven o'clock or something like that. So that's a thing you can do, and I don't I don't not suggest that. But most of us are still eating three meals a day, and it's a little tough to have five or six hours between each of those meals. 
But I think based on what my knowledge of the digestive system and how it works and, and uh, transit of food throughout the gut, I think if you have a rule of thumb of like four hours in between meals, I think that's probably pretty good and will make a big difference. I like to throw little things in my mouth. I like to snack. And even if I'm snacking on healthy things, what I didn't realize is that I was really kind of shutting down a big chunk of the most important part of my digestive system in the intestinal tract, not in the stomach with this migrating motor complex. So he highly recommends that big, nice space between your meals. And I'm, I'm working on that myself right now. I'm going to test it out and see how that works for me. It's very, very interesting stuff. Also, I've mentioned it multiple times here, also on Carlin's podcast, the Just Ingredients podcast. You've got to stay out of fight or flight mode when it's mealtime. If that means uh, a, a good calming prayer before you eat, if it means a little, a brief little meditation, if it means that four seven eight technique, if it means turning off your phone or your TV and having a calm conversation instead of watching the news or whatever it is that allows you to be calm while you eat. When you're calm while you eat, your digestive system works like a charm because you're in rest and digest mode. And that is massive for preventing and reversing healing, sorry, leaky gut, healing leaky gut, because you're going to have far less inflammation in the gut if your body is digesting food efficiently. From a supplemental perspective, he also suggested several things. And the good news is, if you listen to me on a regular basis, you know about my Vital 5. And the Vital 5 all plays a role in mitochondrial production. Omega-3 is massive because it reduces inflammation, especially when, it's, when you get your balance of omega-3 to omega-6 is a huge thing. So that's really, really big. But omega-3 also plays a role in cellular integrity so that the cells remain permeable and messages can be received, which helps a ton when it comes to neurotransmitter uh, communication inside the brain and inside the body. That omega-3 plays a huge role in all of that. Probiotics. Of course, we know all about probiotics when it comes to the microbiome. And you've heard me talk about probiotics, um, maybe ad nauseum on this show. Uh, but spore-forming probiotics have been clinically proven to start to reverse leaky gut in as little as 30 days. Big, big deal. Uh, magnesium. So critical for so many things, at least 300 different enzymatic functions, plus a whole bunch of other biological functions in the body are influenced by magnesium. And of course, magnesium is the great calmer of the central nervous system, the musculoskeletal system. Magnesium plays a role in helping us reduce the feelings of stress and feel more in control when we are feeling stressed. To be more loose and less tight, magnesium bisglycinate is massive for that. Methylated B vitamins play a huge role in the central nervous system. And of course, a multivitamin like the Ultimate Vitality Multi with the methylated Bs can play a big, big role in that as well. And then digestive enzymes, especially if you're struggling in the gut health department uh, beyond leaky gut, if you're dealing with a lot of symptoms of gassiness or bloating or heaviness after meals, any of that kind of stuff, digestive enzymes will help you get more nutrition out of your food will make the food more um, 
easily digested inside the body. And so all those vital five play a role. Uh, for stress specifically, he mentioned Pharmagaba or Pharmagaba. Pharmagaba is a very, very cool product. Natural Factors makes that product. It's chewable or a capsule, and it's been shown to help calm overexcitement in the brain. So it's a really nice aid in stress mitigation. Um, also, I'm a huge fan. You've heard me talk about L-theanine, uh, Sincerol ashwagandha, uh, my formula, anxiety release is one that many people have said has made a big difference in their ability to kind of calm it down, take it down a notch when they're feeling the stress. It can be a really nice aid in uh, even just reminding yourself not to react, take the breaths, do the things that you need to do to approach the stressful situation in a more measured manner. Uh, also, for back to leaky gut, uh, as we talked about, probiotics play a major role there. We talked about omega-3 and inflammation. We talked about your diet. But he mentioned one of the superstars, PEA, for leaky gut, a really, really powerful natural supplement that can help with uh, gut lining. I'm going to dig deeper into that and give you more information on PEA coming uh, soon. I'm a big fan also of whole leaf aloe vera uh, from Aloe Life. I love that for gut repair. I've used it myself with great success. L-glutamine, an amino acid as a powder, 5 to 10 grams a day can be incredibly powerful for gut health. And uh, also, if you're on a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor like Nexium or Omeprazole or any of those, they will, I believe, may be one of the leading causes of leaky gut, along with glyphosate in our environment, are these drugs. Figure out how to repair and get your gut right so that you don't have to be on those drugs. You will be healthier for it for sure. And then as far as things that fuel the mitochondria, Dr. Morello specifically start, uh, talked about Regener Life, uh, which comes in a powder. I've used that one, and I really like it. It also comes in a capsule from Natural Factors. It's got some key antioxidants that are really, really uh, useful. It's got uh, both glutathione and SOD in it, which he said are the two big antioxidants found in the mitochondria itself, and also acetyl-L-carnitine, which is a powerful amino acid that helps to cross the blood-brain barrier and work with the brain, but also with cellular activity when it comes to mitochondrial uh, production. So Regenerative Life is one that he loves. He also said the big first thing he recommends for everybody, 25 grams of good quality protein each morning. And I'll tell you, I do that. I, that is pretty much what I do for breakfast. If I'm not doing intermittent fasting, I'm eating 25 grams of protein-ish. Uh, and more often than not, it's some raw milk, mixed with a just ingredients protein powder, but probably 80% of the time. Uh, other than that, I'm doing uh, really good, high-quality organic eggs. So those are the two biggies that I do there uh, and, that, and that he suggests as far as the protein intake. And then I mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again. If you haven't listened to the episodes, uh, or the episode, I should say, with Dr. Warren on Methylene Blue, Methylene Blue, man, it's been a big thing for me. My gosh, I love this stuff. Um, go back and listen to that episode. It's the best thing I've ever found to help with this uh, kind of squirrel brain that I deal with in terms of not being able to focus in on a project right now, uh, bouncing all over the place. That's the thing with me. When I'm under a lot of stress, I tend to bounce from stressful thing to stressful thing. If I take the breaths, if I make sure I'm staying hydrated, um, if I'm eating correctly, all of these things make a big, big difference. Uh, if I'm grounding, which uh, full disclosure, I'm, a, I'm new to grounding, but when I do it, 
it's awesome. I really do believe it helps. It's a really, really cool thing. If I'm doing all these things, everything seems to help. But the methylene blue has been the biggest game changer for me. It works on cellular respiration specifically, which is absolutely massive for mitochondrial function. More oxygen in the cells is absolutely critical. And it has powerful redox potential, meaning that it's going to reduce the oxidation of the cell itself and keep the cells in optimal health. I have found for me, for the, you know, ADD, ADHD type stuff, I've never been diagnosed with either of those things, but those types of symptoms, methylene blue, really, really great. In fact, I'm going to share this really quick, what I do with it. They have three different formulas. They have a liquid um, and again, you'll learn all about them if you go back to that episode, which is linked in the in the bottom of this episode uh, in the show description. But um, they have a liquid, they have a pill called NeuroPro, and then they have one called ADHD. What I've found is that I I the liquid's fine. I like the liquid, but uh, I like to take the pills um, a little easier. Don't have to worry about the blue on the tongue. The liquid can give you a little bit of blue because uh, it is literally blue stuff. I do one NeuroPro and two of the ADHD tablets. That seems to be the mix that works best for me. I do that once or twice a day, depending on you know how crazy the day is, how my brain's functioning, how much stuff I've got piled on my plate, you know that kind of thing. And I've found that it is a really, really effective tool for me. And if it is for you, and I've already had some really good feedback from several uh, listeners and uh, customers at the store on the Methylene Blue, I would love to hear your story. Okay, we bumped up against the time frame that I have allotted for this show. We're just about in an hour, and uh, it is time for me to say I hope that this information has been very, very useful for you when it comes to trying to make sense of all this mitochondria stuff. I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. Overwhelm leads to stress. Stress leads to broken down mitochondria, not improved mitochondria. So let's keep that in mind. Remember the baby steps matter. The closer you can get to where you're at, where you want to be, is that's the key, just getting closer. I already admitted to you multiple times during the show that I don't do all of these things consistently myself, that I'm still learning how to not procrastinate, that I'm still getting into the habit of consistently grounding, and so on and so on and so on. We're all on this journey. It's different for everybody. Keep in mind, I mean, this is kind of funny if you think about it. It's, it's not funny to me, but it might be funny to you. I've been doing this my whole life. I grew up believing these things and being educated on these things, and I'm still very much a work in progress. You may have just started worrying about your health in an alternative, natural way in the last few months or years. Give yourself some grace. Take those breaths. Recognize that every step in the right direction gets you closer to your goal, and that is all that matters. Thank you so much. It has been an incredible 2023. We're almost to 2024, and I've got some awesome stuff ready to go next year. I can't wait to share it with you. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it 
Vitality Radio is researched and written by Jared St. Clair. Our awesome music is by Brian Bob Young. Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you.